Hey everyone, this is Pastor Laura Hutchinson with First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm glad you're here. Um, last week, my sermon didn't get posted until about 10 minutes ago, so hopefully you listen to both of them. <laughs> but this is the sermon that I preached this morning. Um, it was interesting, during Children's Moment, I... Uh, asked the kids, or I told the kids about the second coming of Jesus, and I explained to them what that means. And I said that Jesus first lived and walked around on the earth and taught everybody stuff, and then he died on the cross, and then he came back to life and walked around and taught some more, and then was lifted straight up into heaven, into the sky, and that he told everybody that he would come back again. And this is what people call the second coming. And I said, and when he comes back, he's coming to bring heaven to earth. And one little girl said, that sounds amazing. And I totally agree. It does. It sounds absolutely amazing. And so this sermon is about perspective. What does our perspective on life look like? And what is our perspective in relation to God's perspective? Which God's perspective is from a heavenly vantage point, and ours is from very, very small little um, vision of what's right in front of us. Um, and so it's about our perspective. It's about our uh, priorities, and it's about thinking about putting our hands in God's, putting our lives in God's hands, so that we can stop worrying about everything and focus on what's really important, which is the coming of the kingdom of God. There's some peace there, there's some joy there, some understanding that God is in control, and all we need to worry about is getting ourselves ready to meet Jesus, whether it's when if Jesus comes to us or if we go to Jesus. Either way, are we ready? And so I hope that this leads you in the direction of getting ready for God. Be at peace, have a good day, and I love you. Can you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. I'm going to read the scripture for today again. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, 
if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Now, when catastrophe hits, when the roof leaks rain into the house and demands a large payout to be repaired, when our spouse or our beloved parent or our child comes down with a terminal illness, when we lose our job right before Christmas, when the IRS sends us a letter through certified mail and tells us that we owe thousands of dollars, when the list of things that have to happen to achieve our goals is so massive that we can't for the life of us see how we will ever get through it. When catastrophe hits, our go-to reaction is often to totally freak out. Our hearts drop into our stomachs, the tears start pressing into the backs of our eyes, we can't catch our breath, our hands go numb, and we might even start experiencing chest pains. And then the real worrying kicks in. And Jesus says to us, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So I wonder if God looks down on us, at us from heaven, as we fret ourselves into an early grave, and says, why are they so worried? Why are they so anxious all the time? Can't they see that it's all going to be okay? I suspect, from the perspective of heaven, even something as world-altering as the death of a person that you don't think you can live without here on earth, from the perspective of heaven, that is not a cause for grief to God. Because from God's perspective, God can see the big picture. The fact is, all of life is a matter of perspective. Amen? Our perspective on the life that we're living is so narrow. We see everything through a pinhole with no peripheral vision. We cannot see up. We cannot see down. We can't see to the left or to the right. All we know is this little picture of what is immediately in front of us, and it is often overwhelming. And then there's God's perspective. Not only can God see up and down, left and right, God can, can see forward into the future and back into history. God can also see all around everyone else and into their futures as well. God knows how and when we will get around or over each obstacle. And God understands the brevity of this life in contrast to the eternal life in heaven. And therefore, God can see what is really important in life, right? In all of life, past, present, future, and eternal. And Jesus tells his followers, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourself that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven 
where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is talking about putting all of our trust in God and in God's plans for us. I worry about what I'm going to do if I get evicted notice, an, an eviction notice again in the mail. Because that's happened to me twice. And God is preparing an eternal kingdom for me. I worry when I run out of money a week before payday and I wonder how I'm going to feed myself until my next paycheck. And God is preparing a heavenly banquet in eager anticipation of my arrival. I fall to my knees in anguish over the injustice of the untimely death of a loved one while Jesus is sharing te shedding tears of joy at welcoming her into her eternal home. I'm not saying in any way that God does not have compassion for us when we struggle or suffer in this life. The shortest scripture in the Bible, Jesus wept. God knows grief and God knows terror and God knows worry. Because the Bible shows us how very much God cares for us. What I'm saying is, is that God wishes that we would trust God more so that we won't have to suffer in this life. So how great would it be if we were completely aware all the time of our total lack of perspective and control in all situations? For us to just know, I, I have no control in this situation. And how great would it be if we were completely trusting in God's perfect knowledge and perspective and power. Because if we truly believe in God's goodness and power, and if we trust God's ability to see all of the things that we can't, then our tendency to worry would disappear. Now, Larissa gave me permission to share with you something that she and Griffin learned as recently as yesterday. So as you know, the two of them are working hard to get everything ready for their future together. They want to get married. They need to buy a car, which as we know happened. They need to find a place that they can afford. Larissa needs to graduate from school and then she needs to get a job. They are very anxious for all of this to happen ASAP because they are so ready to be out on their own. And frustration, worry, and anxiety keeps kicking in every single time they start to think about all of the details. And we keep assuring them in our house that when God is ready for everything to come together, the details will fall into place so fast their heads will spin. The details will fall into place so perfectly they won't be able to believe it. Well, apparently yesterday the worrying was eating at them again as they tried to figure out how they were going to afford a car, an apartment, and so forth. I'm pretty sure there were some tears. And then out of nowhere, a trusted friend of Griffin's family who sells cars calls the house and says that he has got a car for them to look at. Can he bring it over? Oh, he showed up out of the blue. He didn't even call. Even better. While we, in our family, have been talking about them buying mom and dad's car, this car was newer, 
in better condition, and it was only going to cost Griffin half of what my mom and dad were charging. So the check was written yesterday, and now they have a car, and they have enough money in the bank to afford to move out on their own. And so I asked Larissa, I said, what did you learn about God today? She said, um, that he's awesome, and he's taking care of us, and we can trust him. And you know what? God is awesome, and God is taking care of us, and we can trust God. We have no need to worry. Besides, what is the purpose of worrying anyway, right? It's not like it changes the course of history in any way. In J.K. Rowling's Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Newt Scamander said to his friend, My philosophy is that worrying means you suffer twice. I have loved that quote since the moment I first heard it. Worrying means you suffer twice. And that's assuming that what will happen in the end is negative and that there will be any suffering at all. When more often than not, what we worry about never comes to pass and the things end up working out much better than we had hoped for in the first place. The thing is, instead of stressing over the details of life, of which we have no control, and God has total control. Jesus tells us to be concerned about preparing ourselves for the day that Jesus returns to us. For the day that we either give up this life for our eternal one, or the day that God brings his kingdom to us on earth. Instead of worrying about money, we should worry about our spiritual lives. Instead of stressing about our jobs or houses or cars or what, what to make for dinner or what the president tweeted last night, Jesus wants us to focus on our relationship with God. Because we have no idea when this life will end. And when it does, the only thing that we are going to care about is whether we have spent enough time with our Lord and Savior. Be dressed for action, Jesus says, and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. What a beautiful image. Blessed are those slaves who the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will serve them. Remember that heavenly banquet table that I mentioned earlier that God was preparing for me and for you? The one that God has already set for us? 
Jesus is describing what that will be like. The day that God comes for us, when will that be? Right now? Tomorrow? 10, 30, 60 years from now? We will never know until it comes. We're not supposed to know. And God wants us to be ready any time. And when he comes and when we're ready, God will sit us down, the lowliest sinners of creation. God will fasten his belt and God will serve us. Why would God do that? God is God and we are mere slaves in the hierarchy of creation. We are the ones who bow down to God. We are the ones who ask for forgiveness. We are the ones who can only hope to get the chance to serve God like the cherubim and the seraphim that we see in Isaiah 6. And Jesus tells us to be ready for the coming of the king so that the king might serve us instead. And what does it mean to be ready? What does Jesus mean when he's saying to be dressed for action with our lamps lit? What does Jesus mean when he says to stay alert? Well, the People's New Testament commentary says that our scripture today deals with the Christian life in the present, awaiting the final coming of God's kingdom. Luke and his readers live in the second or third Christian generation, in which the first generation's hope for the speedy return of Christ was being abandoned or reinterpreted. And so Luke is helping the church rethink the meaning of the earlier proclamation that Jesus would return soon, and no longer believes that his own generation will see the return of Christ in the near future. Yet he does not want this revisionist theology of the delay of the second coming to be an excuse for irresponsible Christian living. There will be a delay, yes, but this is not a license to become careless or faithless. The general thrust of this collection of sayings is that Jesus' disciples do not know when the end will be, but should live their lives as always ready to stand for God at the la- stand before God at the last judgment. And then of course we see once again the topsy turvy upside down backwards world of Christ where the first are last and the last are first and where the master serves the slaves, right? The commentary tells us the eschatological reversal brought about by Christ which is also seen in the crucified Messiah. The Christian faith that the Christ is crucified, sorry, the Christian faith that the Christ is the crucified man of Nazareth reverses all of our expectations and common sense values. As illustrated by the whole preceding discourse on money and property, which I preached about last week. In other words, this life is short and heaven is eternal. Everything eventually rots, rusts, or is taken from us. But heaven is eternal. We can save as much stuff as we want, but it won't help us or go with us into eternity. We can worry about the details of this life, but the only thing that matters to God is our faith 
and our devotion to God in Christ Jesus. And finally, the perspective that we have in this world and this life does not hold a candle to what God sees and to what God knows to be true in the big picture. And so it all comes down to what is truly important, to what really matters. And what really matters is our faith in God, our love for Jesus, and our walk with Christ through this life and into eternity. And so what does your faith look like? Are you alert? As Amelia said earlier, do you pray all the time? Are you ready to meet our Lord when he finally comes for you? Are you standing at the door waiting for Jesus to knock? Are you prepared to put aside all your worries and your concerns for this life to trust God to take care of the details? Are you ready for God if he comes for you this very night? Because as Amelia said, again, I'm going to quote her. That sounds amazing. Amen? Amen. Amen.